last week, we talked about the advent of hope that came with the incarnation of Jesus. We talked about how when we find ourselves in the midst of darkness or when we find ourselves feeling hopeless, we should cling to the reality that Jesus is present with us in our suffering and that those dark moments of life are really only temporary. Today we're continuing our Advent series by focusing on the Advent or the coming of peace that comes to us through Jesus. And so we begin our look at peace by looking at part of the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, the verses that we have already shared here a couple of times this morning. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I don't know about you, but the idea of peace on earth certainly sounds really good right now. I mean, just a little bit of peace for just a little while sounds really good. With all the conflict, with all the disharmony, the general lack of kindness that we so often see, Peace on earth sounds delightful. Imagine what it might look like for us to have peace on earth for just a day. A full 24 hours where there was no conflict, there's no war, no violence, no destruction, no loss of life, no destructive behavior or conflict. Simply 24 hours of people thriving, flourishing, and of wholeness. The human race has been trying for millennia to figure out how in the world to make that happen. We've tried to negotiate it, create it through tyranny. We've tried to legislate it. We've thrown all kinds of money at it. We've even armed ourselves to the point that we have mutually assured destruction if we can't have peace. And the reality is, in all the different ways that we have tried to achieve it, we've never managed to be able to see peace on earth like we talk about at Christmas. And I think the obvious question is, why? Why haven't we been able to figure out how to achieve this kind of peace? And I want to start with the idea that we have to understand that when the Bible talks about peace, frequently it isn't simply talking about the absence of conflict. When we talk about peace as Americans, we often think about it in terms of nonviolence or the absence of conflict or feeling a sense of calmness. All of those, all of those things are a part 
of what the Bible is talking about when it talks about peace. But that's not the whole story. When the Bible talks about peace, it's referring to wholeness. It's referring to thriving and flourishing. It's referring to everything being as it's supposed to be. The absence of conflict is part of that, but it's not the totality of that. So when we say we want world peace, we typically mean an end to violence. But when the Bible talks about peace on earth, it means that every man, every woman, every child, every person is flourishing. Every person is thriving. Every person is whole and unbroken, living how they were created to be. This kind of peace connects to the Jewish concept of shalom. Shalom in Hebrew means peace. But again, it's more than just the absence of conflict. It's the idea that people live in such a way that they seek the peace or the wholeness of of themselves, but also the other. Shalom is often used as a greeting or a goodbye that means that they're wishing the recipient wholeness in their lives. And during the Christmas season, we can see that in part, just as Jesus came to give hope, he came to bring wholeness to the world, to bring peace. In fact, John 14, verses 26 and 27 says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Again, Jesus isn't simply saying he's going to leave us with a sense of calmness or without conflict. In fact, he says, don't let your heart be troubled, which means that there are going to be things that happen in this life that will be troubling to us. He isn't saying that bad things won't happen, but what When they do happen to us, our hearts don't have to be troubled because he has gifted us with his peace, with his wholeness. So what does that mean for us? It means with Jesus comes peace, or more precisely, with Jesus comes wholeness and flourishing. Jesus wants us to thrive, to flourish, to live in the fullness of who he created us to be as new creations made in and through him. That doesn't mean that there will be an absence of conflict, and it doesn't mean that there won't be moments of trouble and heartache. What it does mean is that when we can thrive, or that we can thrive, even when challenging things happen to us, It means that even in our brokenness, God can take that brokenness, turn it into something beautiful, and help us to flourish despite that brokenness. Peace in our lives, then, is God working in us to help us to thrive and flourish. It is God's working within us to make us whole. It means that we 
work to help bring peace, to bring wholeness to others. Part of our mission as disciples is to see others thrive and flourish in our churches and in our community. Instead of tearing people down, embarrassing them because of what's going on in their lives or or, or causing shame because they don't meet a certain set of artificial criteria. It means we need to genuinely love people, not as projects, but as people created in the image of God. We need to work to see all people flourishing in their lives. It means that we bring everything to God in prayer. And we ask him to bring peace, to bring wholeness to each situation. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When, he, when we bring him our petitions, we can trust that he is going to work to bring wholeness. We aren't always going to understand his timing. We're not always going to understand how and why he does what he does when he does it. We aren't always going to understand how things happen. But we can trust, in fact, that it will indeed happen. God is at work to bring wholeness in our lives through Jesus Christ. And so when we think of the Advent season, when we think of Christmas season, and we think beyond that, what does this look like on a practical level? How is that peace formed in us? Or how does it become a habit for us? Number one, we talked about the Beatitudes in our Kingdom People series. The Beatitudes aren't platitudes, they're not moral imperatives. Rather, they're an announcement regarding how the Kingdom of God works. The Beatitudes show us the values and the rhythms of the Kingdom. Jesus offers a blessing to the poor in spirit, to those who mourn, to the meek, to those who are hungry and thirsty for justice to the merciful, to the pure in heart, to the peacemakers, and to the persecuted. When we embrace these qualities in others and those qualities within ourselves, we dodge the temptation to inflate our pride or to nurture the hurts that have been inflicted upon us. People embracing and living out the Beatitudes are the means by which God is changing the world around us. N.T. Wright and Michael Bird write in a book called The New Testament and Its World. They say, when God wants to change the world, he doesn't launch missiles. Instead, he sends in the meek, the mourners, and the merciful. When God wants to put things right, he doesn't scramble combat jets. He calls people to love and to do justice. God is not going to change the world through fighters, through violence, or through power. 
God is going to change the world through peacemakers. Secondly, we are in the season where we are going to be gathered around people, friends, family. We're going to be at parties. We're going to be around the table sharing meals, sometimes with people who might possibly annoy us. It happens from time to time in holidays. And when you find your place at the table at a holiday gathering with friends or with family and someone says, can you believe those crazy Democrats are fill in the blank? Or can you believe those crazy Republicans are fill in the blank? Do not feel compelled to respond. I know it's hard. I know sometimes we want to engage. But here's the thing. You don't have to. You can always excuse yourself. You don't have to respond. The same is true on social media. When you see something that drives you crazy... You may have an opinion. Your opinion might even actually be right. But you don't always have to share your thoughts. It takes two people to tango, so to speak. You don't have to add fuel to the fire. You don't have to be that second person. It's okay to walk away. And it's okay, I promise you, just to keep scrolling when you see things that drive you nuts. It's really, really okay. We are not always going to agree with the people we love. But we can disagree without turning conversations into something ugly. If you do choose to engage in conversation then talk about your differences without being angry or argumentative or combative. Ask questions. Ask loving questions that seek to understand, not entrap. Listen attentively. Seek understanding before evaluating. Don't judge. Put yourself in the position of the person that is talking. Imagine what life looks like from their perspective. And if the conversation gets to be too much, then politely and lovingly bring it to an end. It doesn't have to end in all-out war. It doesn't have to end in ultimatums or pronouncements that divide or break down relationships. Yes, there will be disagreements. Yes, there will be moments when we are frustrated. Yes, there will be times and places when it feels like we might even be alone when we're sitting around those tables or we are at those parties or we are engaging with people in our lives or when we're scrolling through our, our social media feeds. But we don't have to engage in negative and unloving ways. Number three, the life of peace or of a peacemaker, the life of thriving and wholeness, it's sustained 
by prayer. And we have a prayer book for the people of God in the Psalms. In various places throughout the scripture, we find instructions on how to pray. But the Psalms teach us to pray. They pray for us. We don't always read the Psalms like other portions of scripture. We can pray them. They can become our words in good times and bad times and moments of joy and celebration and in moments of deep grief. The words of the psalmist can become our prayers. They can pray for us when we can't find the words. They can pray for us when the words just don't come. Psalms 60, or sorry, Psalms 96, 97, 98 have traditionally been considered psalms for Christmas. And these psalms focus our attention not on the stress and the strain of a world at war, but on the God who reigns, on the God who is the king of the universe. Focuses on our attention on God who sees all, knows all, and is at work. These psalms focus our attention or take our attention away from the negative and can help us put our attention on a God who is with us and still king of the universe at the same time. We can renew ourselves in the peace of God through the praise of God when we offer prayers like from Psalm 96.10 Say among the nations, the Lord is king, the world is firmly established, it shall never be moved. He will judge the people with equity. Or from Psalm 97.1 the Lord is king. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many coastlands be glad. For from Psalm 98, verses 4 to 6, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with lyre, with a lyre in the sound of melody, with trumpets in the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the king, the Lord. Again, Psalms 96, 97, and 98, they, they focus our attention not on the stress and strain of the world, but on the God who sits on the throne, on the God who reigns over the entire universe. It's important that we maintain our focus on God and not all of the obstacles that are before us. And praying through the Psalms, can help us be reminded of that. It can help us to focus our attention on the right things. And lastly, number four, we are called to be a people who are peacemakers. And we know this from the Beatitudes. And forgiveness is a part of making that happen. God in Christ has forgiven us. 
we pray that God transforms us into a community of the forgiven who extend that forgiveness to others. Peace that cares about the wholeness of a person becomes transformative as we offer forgiveness to those who have harmed us. Forgiveness is a prayerful process by which we choose not to return hurt for hurt. And instead, we place the offender or the offenders in the hands of God. Forgiveness isn't so much a single event as much as it is a lived process. It doesn't mean that the offender was right or did something okay. And it doesn't justify the actions that were taken against us. Forgiveness doesn't automatically imply that everything is okay, although it opens the door to make that happen. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus is the King who leads us away from the toxicity of of sin. And if we are willing to follow in the footsteps of Jesus as he has called us to do, We need to recognize that Jesus is also the benevolent judge who will one day make all things right. Jesus will do what is fair and right with everybody in the end. And forgiveness creates space for healing to occur. And maybe we can experience that kind of peace beyond just this Advent and Christmas season. We need to be a people who learn how to forgive. If we want to see peace, if we want to see people flourishing, if we want our own lives to be thriving, then we need to be a people who learn how to forgive. With a reminder that Jesus is always quick to forgive us. Always quick to forgive us. Regardless of what we have done or how we may have hurt him or others. Jesus is always quick to forgive. Which brings me to our take-home point this morning. With the advent of Jesus comes the advent of peace. With the advent of Jesus comes the advent of peace. And our action point is this. Whatever you might be going through, or whatever you know others might be going through, ask God to bring peace. Ask Him to bring shalom. Wholeness is hard to come by in the world that we live in. But that is what God is up to in each one of our lives. The Holy Spirit is at work bringing wholeness, bringing peace, bringing shalom. And part of the restoration of wholeness in our lives is that we work to help others achieve that same kind of wholeness, that same kind of peace that can only come to us through Jesus Christ, because with his advent came peace. So during the season of Advent and into the Christmas season, let us seek peace on earth. Let us seek peace in our lives through Jesus, and let us seek to point others to peace that transcends understanding and that can be a part of their lives 
Jesus. When we reflect on Christmas, we often look at the verses from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6, six through 7, which say, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. We see that Jesus is the Prince of Peace and that in his kingdom, under his reign, there will be no end to peace. Here we see the word shalom and we see that Jesus will be the Prince of wholeness and in his kingdom there will be no end to that wholeness the work of the Holy Spirit begins in the here and now and the fullness of that will one day come to completion when re Jesus returns again to bring that fullness of his kingdom and when that happens the fullness of our wholeness will come to fruition may the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon all of us during this holiday season and beyond. May his peace become ours. May the peace that comes to us through Jesus become a way in which we point others to the peace that can come to them through Jesus. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you that you came and that you brought to us hope and that you brought us peace and that there are so many other things that you have brought with you when you came, when you were born as that infant 2,000 years ago. And Father, we pray that each one of us would have that peace in our own lives. Not just the absence of, con absence of conflict, Father, but that we would have wholeness and thriving and flourishing in our lives. And that we would seek to help others have that same wholeness and thriving and flourishing. Lord, we pray during this Advent and Christmas season that we would be a people who seek peace on earth, that we would be peacemakers, that we would take the peace that you have given to us, that we would be inclined to share it with others. We pray this in and through the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord. 